Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club, a travel podcast where we explore some of the best destinations through interesting stories from locals and people that have had meaningful experiences around the world. We started this podcast to connect with friends, both old and new, to learn important lessons through traveling. We hope you get as much out of these adventures as we do. Before we get started, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify, so you're always notified when new episodes drop, and so you're officially a member of the Travel Club. Now, grab your passport, because we got a flight to catch. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Kata Brothers Travel Club. Thanks for joining us. Well, actually, I should say, things are a little bit different today. Just in the intro, I don't want anybody to start freaking out. Brendan has left Miami to move to Arizona. He is still obviously going to be contributing to the podcast in a lot of ways. He doesn't know that I'm recording this, but I just wanted to have an opportunity to let him know how proud I am that he has first of all, been accepted to law school, second of all, has made a big leap in his life and moved across the country, and he is pursuing something that he is going to be really great at, that he is is meant to do, and, you know, I can't say enough how much I enjoyed living with him, where we were always together, bouncing ideas off of each other, being creative with one another. That is how we created two Really fun podcast, Bit Party uh, podcast about movies, and of course, this one, Kata Brothers Travel Club. It, it's just been, it was like having your best friend and creative partner and travel partner with you at all times for over two years. So, Brendan, I know you're going to listen to this later on, but I just want to let you know what an important part of my life those three years were. And we wouldn't be doing this show without having lived together. And there are so many experiences that I will always look back on with very fond memories. Especially when it came to travel, there was a couple of things that we weren't able to accomplish because of COVID. Uh, We always had our annual brothers trip where we went to Latin America or the Caribbean. And this year we were planning on going to Aruba or a Caribbean island. And so that was a fun travel adventure, and we'll be sure to talk about our time in Mexico City and our time in uh, Cartagena, Colombia, at some point down the line. But that trip was awesome. Unfortunately, had to be canceled because of COVID. We also had wanted to return to some of the natural springs that are in central Florida. We had made a trip to Rainbow Springs in 2019, and uh, that was just a good old-fashioned central Florida time extremely authentic and what you're expecting from from Florida. And uh, I did not get to take Brendan to Key West. So the only reason that I'm going over these is not because I, I'm trying to be uh, sad or, or, or depressing, but because it just illustrates how much more there is to do, how many more plans we uh, will have when it comes to travel, how much more we can share on this podcast with all of our listeners, with our guests. And that part of our relationship where we're adventuring and exploring and trying new things. It doesn't matter what the distance is between us. That's something that we'll always come together to uh, to look forward to. And um, you know what what we can do, regardless of of where we live, is continue the mission that Kata Brothers Travel Club has created, which is 
more than just to, to create a bunch of content and hear about different places that we want to travel. It's really about, as we've said, bringing the world together, even if it's just one person at a time. We, we want to make friends every single episode and connect with people that we've never talked to before, or that we haven't talked to in a really long time, and continue to find those similarities, regardless of where people live, that bring us together, really emphasizing that idea that more things bring us together than, than separate us and divide us. And we start with a love for travel and adventure, which is something that a lot of people share, and we just need to talk about it more. So I'm also really happy because Brendan is going to be meeting some new people uh, while he's living in Tucson, Arizona, undoubtedly some very interesting travelers and adventurers, and I hope that they will consider coming on the podcast. Now, speaking of really adventurous and amazing travelers, we have an incredible guest on the podcast today, Melissa A. Weddingy, the mother of World Travel Ambitions. You can follow their blog online, worldtravelambitions.com, and she and her amazing family left for a round-the-world adventure, and their first stop was Vietnam. That was March of this year. So as you can probably imagine, some of their plans have had to change just a little bit. Now, I think we can all agree that finding yourself stuck in a foreign country amidst a pandemic is a pretty scary situation, but don't feel too bad for this incredible family because they are really making the most of it. They have been able to explore Vietnam in a way that they did not expect to, and they are finding that this is a beautiful country with so much to see, so much to do, such an incredible culture, the kindest people, and we're very lucky to have Melissa on today to give us a lot of information about a destination that is really high on our bucket list. It's great to be featured, especially you guys probably got a little bit of a different audience to what we've had, so it's quite neat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what's really cool. And it's, um, I mean, I, I, I have already a ton of questions, so I'm just really excited that <laughs> you you reached out to us and, and wanted to, to come on the show because, uh, you know, this is a, exactly kind of the, the vibe that we're going for with Cotta Brothers Travel Club is that we have experienced explorers and adventurers that uh, want to share their story, want to come on. You know, we're really trying to connect the world through a love and passion for travel and it's always exemplified in people like you and your family that are just throwing themselves into a, into a new culture. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're definitely getting absorbed here in Vietnam. We're right in it at the moment. It's great. We're in a, a small village at the moment. So it's okay. Really and it's the kind of village that we've got like farms and buffaloes like right here in the rice paddy fields right in front of where we're living. And then in the afternoon, the farmers gather them all up and they were just walking down the street. Like you could... If you could, if they'd let you pat them, then you could pat them sort of that arm's reach away. You walk straight through <laughs> the middle of them. Or like the other day we were riding the motorbikes down at like five and they're all walking along the street and you've got to go, go through them. And right. it's, it's like real, real old school Vietnam out here. So it's really neat. We've, we've been really spoiled. And, and of course, our, our audience uh, doesn't know you yet, but would you be interested in introducing yourself, uh, telling sure. us where you are living right now, what you're doing there, and, uh, and who, who, who's all there. I see that there's some, some friends in the, the, in the scene, too. I this can get Elijah. my puppies. Hi, Elijah. <laughs> Saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's my four-year-old. Okay, and he just had a birthday, I saw. Yeah, in June, yep. So he's just turned four, and uh, yeah. 
He's wow. full on. Already a world traveler. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, sort of. Sort of. So um, I'll, I'll share a little bit. So uh, my name's Melissa, Melissa A. Whittingy. I'm the mum of World Travel Ambitions and me and my husband sort of came up with that idea together because I've tried multiple travel blogs. They were more me. Um, and this one was sort of us together because it was, uh, gosh, it sort of started with me because my backstory is that back in 2009, I left a, a drug-fueled violence, um, domestic violence with my two oldest children. And um, at that time, I was like really low, depressed, and I was looking for sort of some kind of hope and ended up moving into a place called Bay of Islands, New Zealand. And there I met lots of travelers and backpackers. And so I wrote down on my little 101 things I want to do before I die that I wanted to travel the world with my kids. And so back then it was a bit of a like, how is this ever going to happen? It's impossible. Like it's crazy. It's insane. But it, it went on there. And then uh, over time I moved to Australia uh, me and Rimha got together and we eventually we traveled just the two of us through Europe and so while we were doing that we were like oh how can we do this and take the kids so then when we came back in 2014 or 2015 after we got married we um, started to like really look at like how other families were traveling the world and then we learned how it wasn't actually as expensive as we thought it was and then that just kind of opened the world up after that we realized it wasn't a big crazy impossible dream it was really doable so we spent the last five years pretty much planning and saving and getting um, airpoints collected and just learning everything about the online space and travel blogging and I've dabbled at all sorts of blogs and been building my online presence for a long time and just to get ready for this trip and so of course we booked our our flight last year in October, we were going to be flying from uh, Singapore to Istanbul in April. We didn't really book the front end of it. We just sort of like booked the middle section. And our big goal was to go over to Spain, to walk across Spain and do the Camino in May. Um, <laughs> obviously, we're still in Vietnam. And we, uh, we uh, sold everything. We sold everything we owned. We didn't own a house. So just a big ups to anyone thinking about doing it doesn't own any real estate or shares or anything like that you can do it yeah we sold everything that we owned we gave up our rental house and um, booked our ticket to New Zealand and traveled New Zealand and in February we we're like right where in Asia are we going to fly into we decided on Vietnam my mum sort of jokingly said oh what happens if COVID kind of hits and I was like oh Vietnam's not going to be the worst place to get stuck mum <laughs> <laughs> And we, we flew in here the first week of March. So um, we hit, hit the ground just before everything kind of went insane. <laughs> wow. Wow. Talk about timing. I mean, it, it's great to see how upbeat you are, uh, you know, even though your plans kind of got shifted and, and changed. But I think on the bright side, you're learning so much about a really interesting country. So we're going to get into some questions about Vietnam really soon since you are, are nothing short of an expert at this point because yeah. you've been there for since since March you said yeah yeah so, we're doing well that's that's amazing so I, I really have to ask though what was it like when you realized you were going to be stuck in Vietnam for an extended period of time how did you feel um, that was a stressful week um, I should tell you the story of it because it was quite funny 
um, hindsight was quite funny, probably not, and it wasn't so funny. Um, we, we, flew into, we flew into Saigon, so Ho Chi Minh City, and we arrived on the 6th, and we did the Coochie Tunnels tour, and all the stuff was, you know, we went to the War Remnants Museum and had to have the temperature checks and stuff, and everything seemed okay. For us, coming from New Zealand, a little teeny tiny country on the other side of the world, when we flew into Saigon, that was insane. We thought this place is crazy, it's so busy, and everyone kept telling us it was quiet. And we were like, we don't ever want to see this place like full on busy. Like they're like, the, the pollution's right down. Nobody's out. We're like, what the heck? This is crazy. Like I can't imagine it with actual busy. And so after we'd done our three or four nights, I think in Saigon, we flew up to Da Nang. And the day that we flew, we hadn't looked at the news, which was probably a good thing because I don't know what we would have done if we had have looked at the news that morning. But the people, the hosts where we were staying, they were giving us like the face masks and they were like really giving us like real serious looks like you have to wear these, you have to wear these. And we're like, oh, no, we should be fine, we'll be fine. And um, they were like, no, no, seriously, at the airport, wear them. And so we got to the airport and everyone's wearing the masks and we kind of went through and we arrived in Da Nang uh, so on the 10th of March and... We checked into our hotel and then um, our youngest, Elijah, came down with a massive hot temperature. Wow. And then I messaged, because I had a friend in Dunang, so I messaged her and was like, oh, this has kind of happened. We're not really sure what to do. And she goes, oh, have you read the news today? And I went, no. And so she sent me the news article and it was actually the day that um, the woman who had sort of traveled around Vietnam with COVID, she had secretly come into the country. She'd been in Italy, lied about being Italy, come to Vietnam, traveled all around the country and spread COVID around. So we were all like, oh no, what have we done? And wow. we were like pure, absolute freaked out, like nothing else. It was, it was really scary. Uh, we were so stressed out because we didn't know what would happen. We tried calling the Vietnam helpline, but it was all in Vietnamese, so we couldn't understand what, what they were saying we should do. Um, <laughs> and so we sort of thought, well, we'll just sit up here and we'll see how it goes overnight. And we'll just not say anything just yet. We don't want to end up... We, didn't, we were scared, like, what would, what would happen? Like, would the army rock up and take him or take all of us? And if he had COVID, like would he be put off in a room and we wouldn't be allowed to see him or mm -hmm. we were like really freaking out because we knew nothing at that time. There was no sort of reports of how people were being treated. Um, and so in the morning we sort of like went downstairs and sort of casually sort of told the reception staff he had had a fever and the look on their faces was just like pure fear. Like they kind of like inched right back from us and you just like the blood drain from that was crazy. They were freaked out and the taxi driver didn't want to take us to the hospital. So they sort of like, we're like, just go wait in your room. Someone will come for you. And nobody came. And so they ended up organizing. I did find a taxi driver to take him. And so my husband and him went to the hospital and they went to the wrong hospital that weren't testing for COVID. So they went to the hospital and they checked all of our flights and where we'd been and stuff. And they were like, look, you're not really at risk. So we're not going to test him and uh, tested him for dengue and stuff, and he was fine anyway, so they sent him home. And we had all our paperwork that said he was okay, so that was good, but we were still like in the back of our minds thinking, oh my God, if this is COVID, like we can't spread it. So we were just really careful that week. We mm -hmm. were, if we went anywhere, we'd just be like on the beach by ourselves, or we, we weren't going very far. We were pretty much in our block. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
things were unraveling really quick as well during that time. So as well as all this anxiety of does he, does he not have COVID, um, the New Zealand embassy was emailing us and saying, look, you know, probably should go home because it might not be feasible to go home soon. Um, and then we were watching people booking panic booking flights that week and they were all mm-hmm. getting cancelled. And we're like, what do we do? If we book a flight and it gets cancelled, that, that's five tickets and we're probably not getting a refund on that in a hell of a lot of quick time. So there were a lot of things playing on our mind. We'd only been in the country for like just over a week. So we were like, not, you know, like we've only just started our year around the world. We had money in our bank. So we kind of had that going for us. Um, and Vietnam's a cheap country to live in. So that was also going for us. So we sort of took a big breath and went, right, well, we're going to just stay. And we haven't really regretted that at all. Um, We decided to make that decision and then we just stuck with it. And then we met another traveling family who had also decided to stay for a little bit longer and see how it panned out. And yeah, I guess we we had planned four days in Hoi An. So about the 19th of March, we headed down to Hoi An. And then we realized like Vietnam was coming to a lockdown. So we were like, right, well, we have to choose where we want to be for this. Do we want to ride this thing out in Hoi An or Da Nang? And we chose Hoi An and um, we had a brilliant time there. Like we did, it was not a lockdown. We were so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I think that's one of the things that I um, am missing is just being able to to go out in, in the countryside and, and open spaces. You know, Miami is a pretty big city. So, you know, lockdown has really meant lockdown because it's it's hard to go anywhere and have space to kind of breathe. So that's really cool that you've been able to to continue to live and be outside and, and do some exciting things. I, I, I have to I have to ask, you know, besides almost coming down with COVID, what's the most challenging thing about traveling with kids? Um, right now it is the sickness, because again, just last week, he had another massive high as hot fever and we were having another panic attack because Vietnam's experiencing the second wave. So I think right now, like, you know, in a regular trip where there's no COVID, your kid gets sick, it's all good. You, your mm-hmm. kid's allowed to get sick. But at the moment, because of this COVID thing, it's, it does any parents' head in because you're just like, you can't get sick. You cannot yeah. get sick. Yeah. If you get sick, it could be the end of the world. Um, but not really because it's like we know our kids are really healthy. We try and feed them really well and stuff like that. We're not really worried about if we got it, it's more if we got it and if we were spreading around and people were like hating on us or something like that, that would be sure. awful. Um, and so it's just, I think that is really hard. But apart from the sickness side of things, it's actually planning any onward travel because, um, you know, previously you'd just book a ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, book a ticket. A plane would fly from here to here every day or every second day. And you, as long as you knew you had met the visa requirements, there was not much to worry about. And we've looked at onward travel a few times, but we've come to the conclusion it's just a bit in the too hard basket right now because Mm -hmm. Vietnam's closed. There's not a lot of commercial airlines flying out of here. Um, And so, I mean, if we were to go anywhere, we're we're battling with visas and we're battling with whether or not we have to do COVID tests or quarantines. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's become too much of that too hard basket. So we sort of thought, well, we'll just wait until things are a bit more normal. Uh, which has worked out really well. So yeah. definitely onward travel has been a big thing. Sometimes it's not even um, 
it's not even really getting into the next country that you're worried about. It's be, it's what happens when you're in that next country. Yeah. And it's being really cautious about, especially because we're in Asia, if we go, you know, if we were to go to Cambodia, which we can do, if everywhere shuts its doors, then you're stuck now in Cambodia and Cambodia wasn't a country we sort of feel like we want to get stuck in and everything mm-hmm. changes so quickly, right? So like right. today, everything's fine. But in three days from now, if we book a flight next week to Turkey, for example, which is something we're really thinking about doing, if everything shuts its borders between now and, and then, then we're still, you know, stuck in wherever middle ground is. So we, we're just really... I find that that's actually a lot more, you have to spend a lot more time actually planning things through and working out visas. And, and we've yeah. already done a COVID test because when we arrived in Hoi An, um, they had the, the restrictions. And part of it was if you were in the country after the 1st of March, they wanted to, to do the COVID test. And that mm-hmm. was horrible for the kids. Like for us, we Bad. can do it. But um, doing that to my children was really nasty. My oldest coped, but my, my middle one and my youngest, it was, oh, I wouldn't know. It's, it's oh. nasty. It was nasty. We did the, the blood and the throat and the up the nose. And it was, yeah, oh. it was nice. Brendan yeah. has done a, a COVID test. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, that, that up the nose one especially is really rough. That's a bad one. Yeah. And I had a good, like, the person I did it had steady hands was great. I can't even imagine how it would be in, like, other circumstances. Yeah, holding the kid's head still oh. and screaming is not nice. It was, yeah. It was <laughs> I did have one question because I'm amazed by how well you and your family can improvise under such an incredible circumstance. And I think that any long trip, maybe not to the same degree, but it requires at some point some degree of improvisation that you need to do where you've got to deviate from the plan. Do you have any advice based off your experience for someone who's in that position where they're like, I need to improvise. I can't do what I thought I was going to do on my trip. Uh, Feel good is my advice feel good and try and let go of the plan because i had like a spreadsheet and an excel spreadsheet i'd spent months building the spreadsheet and the whole thing just was gone out the window so we're now at a point where we we're almost day to day sometimes so at the moment we've booked this place for a month so we were sitting Mm -hmm. tight for a month and we're coming up to the end of it and we haven't really thought beyond the end of the month too hard yet um, before this, like we were, uh, we did a trip up the north. We just spent two months um, traveling the northern Vietnam, and so some of that we didn't even know where we were staying the next day yet. We kind of were just like, mm, "Where should we go tomorrow?" Oh yeah, we'll go there, and then we'd just book one night in the next sort of town, and it was um, that was fun. Like we we did some real different stuff. Like we've been on a local bus that doubles as like a FedEx van. Um, driving through like these windy roads to get, we went to the border of China. We practically international traveled guys. We went to China. (laughs) You almost did it. Almost. we We were on the river border. So we could see China on the other side of the river. Um, and we did that on a, yeah, local bus with like a billion people on it and the whole way it was just honking a horn and, and stopping and dropping stuff off and bringing stuff in and, Man, that was hard case. Like at one point we were driving through a market and she stopped the bus and she bought some meat off the side of the road. Wow. Some- <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. What, so yeah. so what, what cities have you spent the most time in? 
Uh, the most time, so probably the most time we spent in Hoi An and Anbang because that was the first outbreak. So when the first outbreak happened, um, they'd already, like Vietnam was really proactive. All the schools and a lot of uh, places were already shut down since January when we arrived. So like no one had been going to school, everyone had been learning online and stuff for since January. Um, and then so when they had the outbreak after this woman had traveled and sort of spread it around, uh, they implemented restrictions. It wasn't ever really a lockdown, but because we knew it was coming, we booked a month in a villa. And that month we sort of spent, it was a lot quieter because a lot of the restaurants and things went open. Everything was only delivery only. Um, so it was quite quiet. We would just bike ride through the rice fields every day because it was exercise and we were allowed to do that. And we would go to the markets like every other day, get more fruit or whatever, whatever we needed. We were allowed to still go to the food markets. Um, and it was quiet, so that was really neat. We got to see a side of Hoi An that a lot of people would never get to see. So I've got some really cool video footage that I've been meaning to put up for ages of just like walking through the centre of Hoi An and there's just like no one, all the shops are just shut. Um, and that's pretty incredible. And then after that, when the restrictions lifted, or towards the end of the restrictions lifting, I'd gone on the expats group because we knew we wanted to spend a bit more time in the area and started looking around for houses. And we found this beautiful villa on the beach. So we moved to Anbang Beach, which is just over the bridge from Hoi An. And we lived on the beach for a month. So we spent about two months um, in Hoi An and Anbang. And that was just, oh, wow. We had some good wow. time. We were actually, funny story, we were actually on the way back there. Um, where we are right now, we is when the, the outbreak happened, but it was in Da Nang and Hoi An. And so we decided not to go back there. We, we decided to keep our freedom and stay where we are. So That's yeah. great. Awesome. Well, that's so amazing. So, I mean, I, I do that as a lead in because at the end of the day, our, our podcast is travel advice. Uh, so we're trying to help future travelers have the best time that they, they can in these destinations. And for me, honestly, Vietnam has been high on my bucket list for a while. I mean, I know you weren't trying to spend all this time there, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely a place that I have been dying to spend a good amount of time and really understand the country because it's really fascinating. So the way that Cotter Brothers Travel Club works is we, we believe in these four pillars of adventure to really right. get to know a destination. So food, uh, nightlife and drinks, culture of a, of a destination, and then outdoor experiences and those excursions. So I, I, I've seen your blog. I've read, I've read parts <laughs> of your blog. I know that you've done most of those things. I know that you're traveling with kids, so I don't know how much drinking you've done, but you know, I know you, you probably come across things here and there. So answer to the best of your ability. So starting with food, can you explain to the audience, you, know, you being in the country itself, how does Vietnamese food compare to other cuisines in the region? Ah, okay. So I haven't done any more of Southeast Asia, so I'm not going to be able to compare with actual on-the-ground experience, but I okay. really love, love, love Vietnamese food. Um, it's put me off Western food, believe it or not. Every time we try and have pizza or burgers now, I just don't feel great. So the food here is, is different. They use a lot less meat. Um, it's a lot more soupy. There's a lot of noodles. Buncha is my favorite. Um, I actually put on weight for the first time in my life here eating buncha. I can't believe it. Everyone laughs because they're like, you can't put on weight in Vietnam. I'm like, well, buncha. And then they laugh. So, um, and buncha is uh, like a pork, a fried pork served on the plate outside of the soup. So the soup is like a watery 
I know it's just beautiful taste and it comes with the pork outside and there's the the rice noodles and it comes with um, like lots of greens and then you just sort of put it all in the bowl and then pull it out and it heats up the pork and it's like really good some of that we've had on the side of the road and it was just amazing um it's really good street food here the caveat to that is at the start of COVID we had to be really careful because um a lot of it looked like it's been sitting there for ages so we weren't mm -hmm. I mean we were at Hoi An um Ban Mi is a real popular thing it's where they have the the baguette that's about that long and they fill it with all this pate and all this goodness and um a lot of people do usually buy it from the street and it's probably usually really safe but when you're walking around Hoi An and there's absolutely no one there and you know that usually they've got thousands and thousands of people in lines at these places we were a bit more careful about where we were buying that stuff because they're sitting out in their little, they're not refrigerated or anything like that. So we had to be a bit more careful. Um, on the food front, the best food that we've had here is uh, local, eating local. So in a place like Anbang, where a lot of tourists go, like they go to Hoi An Anbang, the thing that I would tell everyone to go do is sort of put your Western restaurants on hold for a night and head down to the beach. Uh, there are some beautiful restaurants, street lining that you're going to spend heaps on, which is still nothing compared to what we spend in, in our developed countries. But if you walk out onto the beach, they lay out all these mats and you're literally on like the oceans, like a foot, step and a half away. And they bring you all the seafood. And it's just like, that was one of our favorite experiences because we were the only Westerners on the beach. The whole entire beach was all Vietnamese. Our kids were playing with the Vietnamese in the water and they were like played tag. And it, it was really, that's been one of our highlights. Our crab, our crab, no, our clam chowder. It was, uh -huh. it was amazing. It was just amazing. And then they served, you know, like we had stingray and prawn. Really? It was, it was amazing. Like really one of the best, best food experiences I've ever had. It was really authentic and genuine. Yeah, the just, food here is just so good. We love the food. <laughs> just a whole seafood street market. What does what stingray taste like? That's, a, that's one I've always wondered if you can eat that. I have to ask my son. He ate it. I didn't actually get any of the You didn't eat that one? Because it's quite thin. There's not a lot of meat on it. And there were, yeah. we were traveling with two families at the time. So there were nine of us and I wasn't fast enough. Um, <laughs> it's quite thin. So they just like shear off a little bit off the wing sort of thing, but it looked nice. My son ate it. So it must've been good. So interesting. Wow. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Brendan has a couple questions. And again, if you, if you haven't experienced too much of the, of the bar scene, then feel free to pass. It's but not the, it's not the bar scene, but I've got something still good for you. <laughs> Let's perfect. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, do you, do you want to just kind of give us an overview of your uh, your experiences of like drinking in Vietnam? Sure. Okay, so this is a different drinking in Vietnam story to probably most, but I don't actually drink, so I drink water. My husband is the drinker of our couple, and um, he's quite, ex he'll experiment. So we were out in Sapa, and we lived out in the villages out in Sapa for about two and a half weeks, which is way more than the most most tourists most tourists probably go out there for one two nights max and go back to the town or wherever because Sapa is usually a trekking town so you usually go out there and do like a trek and then you're done um, but I actually wanted to stay out there because it was cold and it's the heat of Vietnamese summer and I was just enjoying being able to be walking around a t-shirt and not just dying from the heat um, so we stayed out in the villages and because we're out in the villages we could either eat at our homestay or we could 
walk around a bit and we wanted a bit of variety. So we'd go around and walk uh, 1K up the road and try some of the mm. other homestays. And one of the homestays that we found, they just became like kind of like a family. We were tempted to move in, except their homestay wasn't as comfortable as the one we were in. So we'd just go up for dinner every night and um, happy water. <laughs> they, they were feeding my husband happy water at night and they were like, oh, you could just leave from here. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely definitely need to do it and I mean if you come across the right families like they're not charging for it like they they were just like come and have dinner with us and we were sharing their meal with them and they were just yeah have some more have some more and so and, what's yeah, happy it was, water is it, it, it makes you sleep it's, it's <laughs> rice it's rice wine so it's um it's their local thing over here and um yeah, it's really neat. You just have a little little shot glass. It's quite quite strong. I think my husband liked it more than he liked the ouzo and grease. So, um, okay. yeah, it, it's okay. And he said it does help you sleep, makes you sleep. So, <laughs> Dual purpose. That's out, great. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the happy water with the locals, and you'll have a good time. That sounds happy like water a very with the locals. Very authentic experience. Well, we, we do have one more question and you may not be able to, to help us with this one necessarily, but we do consider ourselves dive bar connoisseurs. It's, uh, you know, the, the grimiest, most local place. Have you come across any of those or any, any villages that seem to have the best scene for that? Okay, so you want local. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's so easy to spot. If you want to get in amongst it and drink with the locals, that everywhere, it's really easy because they're really big beer drinkers and smokers over here. They they were on um, the karaoke bars, karaoke uh -huh. bars. They have um, pool bars where they've got the billiard tables and things like that. They're everywhere. They're really not hard to find. You'll probably be able to walk down any street and find one. Where we lived in Anbang, we were in quite an er uh, a quiet area. We were on a like, little alley. And the next alley over had like a karaoke. You could pop in there and, and easily drink with all the locals there. And they're everywhere here. At the, and it's different. It's very different to what, what we're used to in first world countries. It's really different. Like the idea of drinking at a, a bar here is like you're on like a little plastic table, like kid-sized plastic table. And that's what it's like eating and drinking in Vietnam. And they're everywhere. Like you're not yeah. going to find any trouble finding one wherever you stay. That, that's great. I think that, that when we go traveling, especially to some more exotic locations or uh, yeah, developing areas of the world, I want to be at a plastic table. I want little plastic cups. And um, that's really those experiences that I, I hold most sacred on, on my adventures. So that's, that's what so we like cheap. to hear. Yeah. So oh. Like the beer here is like 20,000 for a glass of beer, which is uh, so, and your money like a dollar. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. It might even be less That's than pretty a reasonable. Yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. And like if you go and buy the actual can, like my husband, because if he'll have a casual beer and he doesn't need to go up to the bar for that, he'll go down to the, the mini mart and buy them. And they're only like, they're even less. So, it's a good place to have a good drink and hang out and yeah, yeah, you'll That's, enjoy it. <laughs> and it sounds like there is scenery like you wouldn't believe. Uh, so having a beer or, or a glass of water or some happy water uh, in front of whatever you're sitting in front of is, it sounds like a special, special time. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really neat. Now, speaking, speaking of these views and, and the things that you get to see, moving on into the, the culture section, uh, Vietnam has a, a really 
interesting and complex history, I would say. And Brendan and I were talking before we got on, and, and we know that, that you're, you're not from America, but we thought that traveling there and learning about the Vietnam War, as it's called in, in the U.S., but I think it's called the War with America in Vietnam, are there remnants of that conflict? Are there, are there ways that, that people still talk about it and, and reference it? Yeah, so it's the American war here, um, okay. and it's really interesting. So where we are right now, we're in uh, central Vietnam in the, about the skinniest part of Vietnam. So um, we've got the ocean on one side and Laos on the other. And we are in an area that was one of the most heavily bombed areas during the war. So we uh, have been on bike tours where they've showed us um, where the road was vital to keeping Vietnam's hold on their country and things like that. So it's been quite, quite neat. Um, we actually got to see, there's a lot of undetonated bombs here. So mm -hmm. about a week ago, we drove down and watched them. They find them each day, like every day at 2 p.m. they're blowing up bombs here. Wow. So they had, they found a 500 pound massive bomb and they'd, and we drove down and watched them explode that. And that was incredible. They're very conscious of it. It's still really fresh history. Like talking to a lot of people here, they've, a lot of changes have happened in the last, you know, 10, 12 years. You know, they've gone from struggling to eat and famines to they're all doing really well. You know, food-wise, they're, they're getting fed. At the moment, COVID, it's been an interesting paradox to be in because you see people here and, on the surface, they don't really have a lot. Like, they have a really simple life. They, they're just grateful for food, I guess. And when you look at sort of some of the reactions of what's going on in the world for more developed worlds, it's, it's all about the money, right? Whereas here, it's kind of like, oh, well, there's, there's some food and it's hard right now. But they know that they've already been through so much hardship and they know that they're already resilient. Like, they know that they'll get through this. They know that this is just a sort of space and time where things are slow and then again it will come back like they just it's not as um doom and gloom as the rest of the world for a lot of things so seeing they're just such resilient people and they're so active like really active I don't know what it's like in the US but I'm I'm a big fan of going to the beach in the morning and watching the sunrise mm -hmm. and um in Australia I used to do it a lot and it'd be like you and a handful of other people just sitting around watching the sun come up or taking some photos or whatever. And over here, you go on the beach at five o'clock in the morning. It's like every man and his dog and his best friend and everyone, like everyone's on the beach. There's fishermen coming in. There's people doing exercise. There's Tai Chi going on. People are running up and down. I'm like, oh, this is just a different world. It's, you know, culturally, it's really different. They really um, take pride in looking after themselves. They look after their bodies. They're active. We met an 80-year-old guy just down the road here. Um, he has been through so much in his life. He's lived through the war. He was working when he was seven for a cup of rice a day. Um, and he's like fit in any, like more fit than both me and my husband. Like he is 80. <laughs> he could probably pick me up. So yeah, it's just, just amazing their health and their well-being. They all look a lot younger than they are. And and yeah, they, they you can feel the undercurrent. Like a lot of the, so during COVID, I've been watching their government website just to, keep an eye on where things are at and if I need to be worried about, well, we're not really worried about where we are at the moment, but just to be aware about where our options are to move from here. And um, a lot of the language is really war. Like they, they're still in that war mentality and they're still deeply, it's war's part of their roots. 
and they've been through many conflicts so prior to american war it was like french and they've had like the mongolians and the chinese like this country has been at war for a long 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 time so it's really deeply ingrained into their culture but then the people themselves are really kind like we we're just blown away with how kind everyone's been during this time everyone's so understanding they have a lot of compassion because we're the person that's you know come here and we're now stuck here so we've Mm -hmm. been treated really well here we really have enjoyed our experience here that that is so wonderful and i know that you know of course the the war with america is not the only thing that defines the the vietnamese culture i i see on your blog that you've done a lot of hikes to uh different ruins and and temples are there any that stand out to you uh in that uh, from that history yeah, well, we, we went up to the Mason Temple, so that's accessible from Hoi An or Da Nang, and that was really neat. It was really bizarre going out there and being, we were like the only people out there. I think there was one other person in that whole entire place, and usually they have thousands out there. Um, there is so much deep history here, so that was one place we went to. We've been out to a few like temples and things. The kids don't really enjoy the temple things so much, but the citadel out in Hoi and Hanoi, and so the northern city of, of Vietnam, that was amazing. Like our kids loved that. That had the underground bunkers and uh-huh. just it, it, there is so much history here. And being from New Zealand, we don't have as much deep history because it's just not been as developed for so long. So yeah, the kids have really enjoyed it. There's so much history here. Uh, where we are right now is sort of like American war home base, basically. Like we've mm-hmm. we've done a lot of motorbike tours and things. We're going to go for one today, and we go out and see the caves. We've learned about the the river, how they used to take the the vehicles from one side of the river to the other side of the river. They would keep the boats one kilometer deep into a caves to keep the boats safe, so that they could keep wow. the transport flowing, because the cave they couldn't bomb the inside of the cave like this cave is so deep and it's under like huge mountains so they were the boats were safe in there right and then we did a tour uh, the other day where we drove around the national park and we were shown there's a big uh, wall where the the americans were bombing the side of this cliff face so that the rocks would fall down and then there were all these children who lived under the, the rock face and they would just clear the road. Every time it got bombed, they'd just wait for the bombing to stop and then they'd clear the road so that the traffic could just keep going through. So the, a lot of the war was uh, about transport, like really being mm-hmm. able to keep the transport lines open. And over here, that was how they did it. These kids were staying. We got to see the cave where these kids were hiding, where the, the wall was being bombed. And so there were like two little caves and they'd just sit in there and they were safe. And then they'd come out and then they'd just clear all the debris off the road and then away they would go again. The trucks would come through again and the transport would go back. And it was really amazing. So that was like the Highway 20 Ho Chi Minh Trail and it goes all the way to Laos. And then they would go up and then come back around and through the other side. So it's incredible. Like some of the stuff that we've learned here, it's like goosebumps. It's just amazing yeah. what, they, what they went through and, and things. I mean, that, that's fascinating. And I think it's always so important to, to hear multiple sides of, of the conflict and really understand. It, it sounds like Vietnam had really come together in a lot of ways, the other people, even the children, helping to end the conflict. It, it, it's fascinating. And what a 
life-changing experience for you and your family to be able to, to live it in such an in-depth way. And, and like I said, I, I want to give a big shout out to, to your, your blog. Do you, do you want to speak a little bit more about it? Sure. Well, we, we came with the plan that we were going to start it and grow it over about a year and a half two years mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean it's something that I guess it's going to take a little bit longer to build uh, an income from in this climate because some of the bigger travel blogs are even really suffering right now so there's no expectation mm-hmm. I guess we're just putting our content out because we have so much of it now and it's it's just more keeping or like sharing what we're doing because it's really unique not a lot of people get to go to Vietnam and just travel for six or seven months so it's Mm. been quite neat and and it's a different perspective too with doing this during COVID time it's it's a lot different to what most people would experience here so I mean we are so lucky we came to this place and I knew I wanted to spend a month here but I didn't know how we were going to fit a month in this town and we got to stay in a month in this town it's got some it's got the biggest cave in the world so there's some huge cave systems we've got to explore and things like that and I think putting stuff like that on the blog, it's going to make ours really different because we've got to do a lot of different experiences. And going forward, this experience has changed what our future of travel will look like because we want to spend now a longer time in each country. We don't want to just go to a country for three weeks. It's We're not going to be able to get in, immersed like what we have here. So going forward, we'll be planning for at least three months in each country and we will just go and really get into it and find a place to just explore from. And I mean, if it ends up being longer than three months, well, we're good with that too. So yeah, it's going to end up being a lot longer than a family year or two abroad, I think. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> what, what's the website so that our listeners can check it out? So it's worldtravelambitions.com. Worldtravelambitions.com. Yeah, it's fantastic. I was looking at it today and, uh, and reading about your uh, boat trip uh, where you went kayaking on the lake. And what was that lake called again? Oh, the luxury one. So yeah. we went, uh, we did the Halong Bay uh, luxury cruise with the Indochina junk. And that, yeah, that was incredible. So that was Halong Bay. We had to do that because, you know, that's like a bucket list for everybody. You come to Vietnam and you want to do a luxury cruise, right? And we were like, when we were here initially, it all shut down. So we were really mm-hmm. lucky when we went up in June, they had just opened back up. So early July, we jumped on board one of the, the first sort of sailings, really. They'd only been open, I think, a few weeks at that point. So, yeah, it was really neat. We got to go and do that and took the kids kayaking. I think probably one of the most memorable things, again, this town, like if you come to Vietnam, just please come to Phong Nha. We We just did a motorbike tour where we took uh, the first boat took five motorbikes plus people on a bamboo boat that's this far out of the water across the river. <laughs> and for, for on the audio audience, that's about like less than three inches. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, we, on our boat, we had five motorbikes, I think six kids and five adults. Okay. And it was dodgy <laughs> and that's, that's that's a regular transport system that's their theory yeah so you know we were holding up the show because we had something like 21 bikes to get across okay to get across so we took about um two two crossings with two boats each crossing and there were people behind us just regular people like that cross that river every day because that's how they get across because there's no bridge there and and that's how it's done it's like a ferry crossing where you 
drive your bike onto a little, you have to go and have a look. There's a video um, of the, the boat is like probably only about, I don't know, you know, like your arm span, it's less than your mm -hmm. arm span wide. And just, you wouldn't get this on any country in the developed world because it'd be too risky and it would be mm -hmm. too no um, safety. <laughs> like, yeah, it yeah. It happen anywhere in the world, but it's safe for them because they do it every day. They know how to do it. It's not sinking. Just because Vietnam is such a, an incredible and exotic location, have you found it pretty easy to, to get around and do all this traveling that you've been doing? Uh, it's a little bit harder right now, but outside of COVID, it'll be really easy. Um, a lot of the train routes and things have been closed, so they've really only been running mainly the Ho Chi Minh um, to Hanoi train line has been running, but like the train out to Sapa and things, when we went out there, it wasn't open, so we had to do VIP um, sort of a van. That stuff scares the bejesus out of me. Um, mm. Buses and stuff here... They all drive like they want to drive in a rally car race to get to wherever they're going. And it's like pedal to the metal and overtaking. It's, it's a little bit much for me. I don't, uh, let's just say I had a, some hairy moments where I was a bit terrified. Um, so we, we'd prefer the trains, but a lot of trains probably weren't really running. So we've just done what we can, where we can. And we've hired VIP transport over the buses because we've seen some nasty bus accidents. Um, like the cool kids saw one when they were driving. Um, we've heard of like one that just recently crashed up here and it had like 15 people that were killed. And it's, it's a lot of um, silly kind of accidents where they're just driving silly and it's, I don't really like being on the road. But um, yeah, apart from that, getting rounds okay. Like the flights, like internal flights are really cheap. They're really easy. They're not long. So that side of things, if you need to get, because Vietnam's massive, to get from one part to the other. That's, that's great. Cool. I think that's really helpful. For, uh, yeah. for anyone who like wants to travel there once it's safe. Yeah, yeah, and the locals help. Like you just, like we wanted to go from um, Khao Bang to Babi Lake, which is northern rural, and there's not really a proper service. And we were like, how can we get from here to here? And they were like, oh, I don't think you can. And then they rang around for us and they found a, a bus that was going from Khao Bang to, to Babi. And it doesn't usually go all the way into Babi Lake where we were staying, but they just said, oh, well, we'll just charge a little bit more and we'll take you all the way. They extended nice. their bus route for us. Like nowhere in the world is going to do that for you, but they did it for us. So it was cool. <laughs> so nice. That's wonderful. But that's amazing. Yeah, one thing that we like to do as we close out an interview is let you give a shout out, um, whether it's to the rest of the fam or, uh, you know, somebody else that you think would be a great guest on the show. We're always looking for uh, to carry on the torch to the next traveler and adventurer. So do you have any shout outs that you want to give as we close sure. up? Okay, so we spent a big chunk of this travel traveling with a family. They're on Instagram, Cool Kids Travel, and it's Cool Kids with a K. Um, Lisa and Adrian were like our travel family up until like last week. So we've been um, in connection with them since the start of March. They had been already traveling for a few months before, so they actually got to do some of Asia before everything locked up. And they did their adventure to get to where we um, where we stayed was just, I won't even tell their story because it was just amazing what they did to get to Hoi An and Anbang. And we met them in Anbang, and then we were like next door neighbors for a month. And then we went traveling for a month and we met up with them again on our tour of the North. 
And then we basically travel from Ninbin down to here with them as well. So we've spent a lot of time with them and they have, they have some really cool, uh, really cool different stories. They have had an adventure like none other. They, they have covered different parts of, of the world. So they've been through um, Thailand and Malaysia and things as well. So they've had more adventure in some other areas. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love yeah. to talk with them too. That, that's a great shout out. Melissa, this has been wonderful. Your experience is just it's just so inspiring. I mean, you've made the most of, of what a lot of people are, are calling one of the most difficult times uh, that they could ever remember. And, um, and seeing your family doing all of these wonderful things, I think it's really, it can really help people get through the, the tough time that they're having as they're, as they're in quarantine. And, and I know that, like we said at the beginning, Brendan and I wanted to start this podcast because we had to have this escape. You know, doing, doing this show was as much for us as it was for all of the guests that we've had on and, and our listeners, of course. So, um, you know, we're just so appreciative whenever we can talk to a, an adventurer like you. We're, we'll keep following along with the blog because you have such an exciting life. Thank you. And I'll look forward to sharing it to sharing um, your podcast with our followers too. So that will be fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on again and have a great day. Uh, and, and we hope you'll uh, join us again as you uh, explore the rest of the world. Thank you for having us. You have a good day too. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was a really fun interview. We absolutely had our mind blown by some of the stories that you were telling us and, and just how you overcame a lot of the challenges. Um, I mean, we're all facing a difficult time during COVID, but uh, being uh, caught in another country and going into lockdown, um, that takes a lot of bravery. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly thankful that, that you've been doing so well and were uh, in such good spirits that you wanted to come on the Cotta Brothers Travel Club and, and talk to us about your, uh, your time in Vietnam. So Brendan's here with us. Uh, I know that the intro was, was my solo act, but uh, Bren, how's it going? What's going on in uh, Arizona? Arizona's good. We're, we're trying to find as many places as we can with open uh, patios because one thing that Tucson is known for is it has an incredible restaurant and brewery scene. So anywhere that we can go where we can safely be seated and try some of the food or try some of the beer with masks on. We have been like hitting up at least one spot a weekend and uh, uh, trying to make the most of it. It's fun. That's great. Well, it, it sounds really awesome there. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping that I get to visit you hopefully at the beginning of 2021. Uh, I'm glad that you are making the most of your time early on in your, uh, in your Tucson adventure. I know there's still uh, quite a long way to go. Uh, how's law school going? That's, real, that's a real question that the audience wants to know. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so much reading. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but my, I really like still being involved in, the, in like the podcast and the interviews because it gives me an excuse to break away and do something creative. Mm -hmm. And that was like my interesting fact for all the like class introduction things was that I do this podcast and I'm doing it largely because I wanted that like excuse to you know, keep in touch with you so frequently and, and like just make something together separate from law textbooks and statutes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But it's awesome, fun, awesome. but I, I do really like it. It's, it's really rewarding. Good, good. I mean, I know that taking a, taking a step into a academic environment again, after being in the working world for a little while, that's a, I, I feel like when you're, it's, it's grass is greener kind of a thing. Like you're a student, you're like, I can't wait to work. When you're working, you're like, damn, this job's kind of stressful, but 
you know, I, I know that you're very adaptable, so it sounds like you're doing really well. And yeah, once you've tried a couple more breweries and restaurants in Tucson, then I'm hoping that you'll put together a, uh, a blog post so that we can have that. And I don't know how many people are in need of a Tucson travel guide, but we can be the, <laughs> can be the provider. No, I, I could definitely do that. And you know what else? Literally every bar in Tucson is a dive bar. They're all oh. like dusty cowboy bars. <laughs> hey, there we go. That's what I'm looking for we right there. That's, that's beautiful. You know, I want to get back to talking a little bit more about the interview that we, we just did um, because, wow, that was extremely fascinating. Like I cannot fathom being caught in another country when the lockdown, when the quarantine hits, when COVID started to spread through most of the world. It makes me wonder, what, what would you, how would you feel if that happened when you were on a, a trip that was supposed to be an, uh, an elongated trip, but um, now it looks like you're going to be stuck in your first destination? I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, knowing how stressed out I already get about forgetting minor things and having <laughs> to like negotiate that just being locked down and unable to return home and things changing so drastically in the country that you're in would be really stressful. So I have so much respect for what they did. What about you? Do you think you could, you could uh, navigate that pretty well? I, I think that over time I would come to kind of the same realization uh, that, uh, that Melissa's family did where you adapt. And I also, it was very impressed by how that whole family kids and all was uh, able to really be in the moment and enjoy the adventure that they are on how however it turned out and obviously plans change significantly but they uh they have just found so much fun and beauty in vietnam uh what country speaking of the where they're located now what country would you want to be quarantined and locked down in if you could ideally pick the one that's a good question i feel like it would have to be somewhere with a lot of things to do outdoors um, but still keeping things pretty safe. So knowing what I know now, I would honestly probably choose New Zealand, I think. Mm -hmm. because which is we where know they were. Ale which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is where they left from. But just after our conversation with Alex, I know that it's a beautiful location to like hike in. And uh, we know that they handled COVID really well and are pretty much back to relative normality now. So I think New Zealand would be... If I had to be locked anywhere, I would choose that. Mm, very nice. I think that I would maybe choose uh, uh, Denmark. I we have a friend, a mutual friend. Uh, big shout out to uh, Leah, who is in uh, Denmark right now. She her family's from there. We're hoping to get her on the podcast eventually. She also has a really excellent podcast that I, I'll uh, I'll save for for when she's on the show. But um, yeah, I, it looks like things have gone back to relative normalcy in, in Denmark and in Copenhagen. And um, there's a lot to do in the city. And plus, Europe is starting to open up again to the other European countries. So between there or maybe Germany, you know, when, when we talked to Pierre, it seemed like uh, Frankfurt was pretty free and clear and people were out and about again. So um, it sounds like in a lot of ways, just anywhere but America at this point. But <laughs> Cases in Florida Oops. are going down pretty fast, so I'm, I'm happy about that. We'll see what Labor Day weekend did for that. Brennan, what was, your, what was the most interesting part of our conversation with, with Melissa? What part would you uh, be most interested in seeing if you went there? I think that luxury cruise on, what was the river? I can't, she said it was Halong Bay, um, but she, she has, oh, yes, a, yeah. she, I think she's been on a couple different boat tours uh, around Vietnam. It sounds like those, the, the boat tours that she takes are such a nice 
way to see the country and it it's like a divergence from your normal uh like how you normally stay so i think that would be a cool thing to do to break up like two different airbnbs during a visit to vietnam what about you well, you know that besides the, the dive bar question, my favorite pillar of travel is the food section. So I think for me, one of the most interesting parts was her story about Ambang Beach and the seafood market that they put out there. Everything's oh, yeah. super fresh. It's probably a lot of things that I've never even thought were edible. I mean, a stingray is a great example. I didn't even know you could eat that. Um, and I'm sure that there are a million examples of, of sea life that I never had considered uh, cooking up and eating. So that would be a really unique experience that I would be interested in uh, participating in. I think that that area of Vietnam, but also the, the stories that she had about the, the living history uh, regarding the uh, American War or the, or the Vietnam War, as we call it, uh, seeing those underground tunnels, the, the different ways that, that they fought the Americans and the other Vietnamese. Um, it, I think that, that conflict history is pretty interesting and it always has been and uh, it's still recent history so um, absolutely you know, like we always talk about the history that is tangible sometimes is more impactful than anything else when you read it in a book or see it in a museum and it's definitely alive there in vietnam no i completely agree i think that that is such an interesting take on that side of history that you see so much from the u.s that like movies mm -hmm. pop culture are very like I feel like I've gotten a good coverage of uh, the Vietnam War as it pertains to the U.S., but that side of it, I think, is so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, all of their travels, all of their experiences are so incredibly interesting. I mean, I, I know that there, it's very unlikely that I will end up ever spending six months in Vietnam, although I never say never. You never know what happens. But um, it, it's really cool to follow along their blog, which I've been doing now, and uh, being able to witness as they go through these uh, unique places and, and experiences, what, what they're thinking and what Melissa's feeling and how the family's responding to it. They're making the most of it. Like we keep saying, they're, they're doing a year long trip. It's just not around the world yet, but they are uh, loving this uh, destination that they're in. And I just wanna once again, encourage everybody to follow the blog at worldtravelambitions.com. You can also follow them on social media at World Travel Ambitions on uh, Instagram. Uh, that's actually how Melissa reached out to us as we started following each other. And then she said, hey, I'd love to be on the, on the podcast and talk about our experience here. And I just was like, what you're doing right now, I need to, I need to ask questions. <laughs> this is perfect for a podcast. So I was so excited to talk to her. I hope that they get to move on to another destination pretty soon. And once they do, I would just absolutely love to, to have them back on the podcast. So that's an open invitation, Melissa. And uh, once again, we just want to send our appreciation and love to your family. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, we'll follow along uh, whatever way we can. But that's going to wrap up another episode of the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. We'll be back really soon with some interesting destinations as we continue to connect the world. One friend at a time, one interview at a time. That mission still stands. Doesn't matter how far apart Brendan and I are. Uh, we're still here to uh, hear about the best destinations in the world through the eyes of people that love those places. So see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. This is a good chance to let you all know that we have a website 
go to katabrotherstravelclub.com to find our city guides, travel essays, and the best way to contact us directly. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Look for katabros underscore travel club. We want to keep building this community of explorers, so please hit us up on social media or on our website so you can share your adventures and stories from around the world. Finally, we know these are challenging times. This podcast was our outlet for self-expression, and we appreciate our listeners, friends, and family that are helping us to make it possible. However, if you are ever feeling sad, isolated, or even displaced, please reach out to us. Even the most experienced traveler gets lost sometimes and needs some help to find their way. We hope you'll tune in next time, and most importantly, welcome to the club.